Hello and welcome to Grace in the Marketplace. My name is Tafara Butai. Did you know that God is inside Kairos moments, divine connections, favor, unmerited strength for his children, for the marketplace? I like to call all of this God's grace in the marketplace. And so on this podcast, that's what we're going to be talking about and many other subjects. Let's check out today's podcast. came on here we talked about you know grace in the marketplace and uh basically you know we 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 laid a little bit of a foundation uh with that concept grace in the marketplace which is really a book that god gave me in 2016 and uh around his grace uh not just uh to be you know uh, functioning within the falls of the church uh but for his grace to be something that we can take with us uh, wherever we go and use it, take advantage of the grace of God uh, in all our different uh, spheres and areas of influence. And so we, we shared uh, some nuggets, we shared some, some foundational principles, and from that same foundation, if you didn't get an opportunity to check it out, please uh, do so. I, I noticed that it's on Facebook, so you should be able to do that as well. Uh, but from that foundation, we established a few things and uh, we're going to go back and revisit a few other things uh, that we established in our last class so that we can uh, build on that. The first thing we established was that the grace of God is uh, multifaceted. You know, the Bible talks about the uh, variety faces of the grace of God. And so the grace of God is as many faces, if you will. The Bible says we must be stewards of the manifold grace of God. So manifold means many faces. And so the church, really, when you say grace, we are really, almost all of us, established in the uh, saving power of God, which is another face of the grace of God, uh, the saving grace. That's what I like to call it. Uh, But there's also uh, uh, the grace for the marketplace, you know, the grace uh, the fuel to help us do what God has called us to do. We shouldn't be doing it in our own flesh, in our own strength. We should be doing it uh, fueled by the grace of God. And so I like to call the grace of God the octane for your assignment. It is the fuel that you need for you to be able to accomplish the things that God has called you to do. And our scriptural reference is First uh, Corinthians 15.10. He says, but by the grace of God, the Apostle Paul talking, right? He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So we become who we are because of God's grace. I am what I am, and his grace bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And so we see here from reading, you know, First uh, Corinthians fifteen ten that the Apostle Paul says the grace of God is what helped him uh, to do what God had called him to do. And he uses, uh, you know, uh, word pictures that are really powerful there. He says, if you read in the NLT, he says, I outworked the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God which was bestowed upon me. So grace is our fuel for work, for creativity, and things of that nature in the marketplace. And so another foundational truth that we established is found in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. 
And I read in the Message Bible, and it says, God spoke and says, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they, human beings, can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and the earth, and uh, yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And what did he say? He said, uh, uh, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And so we see here that the first words mankind ever heard from the mouth of God were prosper, because God wants us to prosper in the thing that he has called us to do. We defined that in our last class. And the second thing God said to mankind was reproduce. In other words, uh, take what I've given you and multiply it. This is why the instruction to Adam was, you know, uh, uh, be fruitful and multiply, increase on what I've given you. And so we established in our last class that everything from God is going to start as a garden. God could have planted the entire universe, but he decided to just plant a garden and put seed in it and gave it to Adam and say, now you take it and spread it all across the, the, the earth. And so that's what happens when we come into the business arena is that when God gives us these ideas, they come in seed form. You know, businesses always start small. You talk to any business people, they'll tell you, man, uh, things start small, but with within it is the seed potential to grow and uh, impact the, the whole world. And so we see here God wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well. And uh, uh, really, he wants us to, 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 to be influential so that we can, we can bring city and nation transformation. That's what this prosperity is for. It is not for consumption, you know, just to consume on every lustful desire that you may think of. No, this prosperity is, is for impact. It is for transformation. It is so that we can change uh, uh, people's lives. And so today we're going to get a little practical about how we can actually tap into this prosperity long term so that we can, uh, like the Bible says, uh, live an inheritance for our children's children. You know, I really like things that are practical. You know, I'm not, I'm not very deep. You know, I like, I like practical stuff. I like stuff that, you know, I can work with so we can get some fruit, get some results. Jesus said, we, 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 shall, know, we shall be known by our fruit. He says, you shall know them uh, by their fruit. So when the outsiders look at us, you know, they're, they're looking at fruit. They're not looking at how deep our theology is and how deep our doctrine is. It doesn't really matter if you don't have fruit. And so fruit is the... Is the, is the language of the kingdom of God. Fruit is our evangelism tool, if you will. Uh, we have to get to a point where the branches of our lives are just laden with fruit, you know, whether it's family, in a spiritual life, whether it's in the uh, business world, in the marketplace, what God has called you to do. All of this should be just laden with fruit. And so that's what we want to talk about today, how we can get into that place of fruitfulness uh, that's sustainable. And, and God has called me to talk about the marketplace. You know, there are other areas that we should be fruitful in. But for me specifically, God has called me to talk about wealth and, and the marketplace and, and things of that nature. And so I travel all over the world uh, talking about uh, these things. And so we want to go quickly to Joshua chapter number five. Joshua chapter number five, and uh, I'm going to read uh, from verse 12, Joshua chapter number five, verse 12, and this is what it says, it says this, it says, uh, on that day, then the manna ceased, 
uh, after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And so we see a transition here that transpired, that happened as the children of Israel moved from uh, Egypt, slavery, they went into the wilderness on the journey to the ultimate destination, which was, you know, Canaan, which was the place that flows with milk and honey. But when they moved from slavery, they went into the desert and, you know, when they were in the desert, they, they, they fed, um, God fed them with manna. They, 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 they partook of the manna, right? And so, uh, mana is what I like to call devotional money. We, we're talking about the different kinds of money now. That's what we're talking about. And sometimes I feel like Christians uh, really uh, miss out on an opportunity uh, to participate in the marketplace because we don't understand this principle. We want to talk about the, the different you know, kinds of, of wealth. We want to talk about the different uh, types of money. So there was mana. Mana represents uh, what we call devotional money, right? Uh, mana is, you know, if someone walks up to you and they give you a thousand rand, praise the Lord. But really, mana is not going to be uh, your, 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 your means of building a sustainable wealth if you want to leave an inheritance for your children's children. We have to transition from mana. This is why the Bible says in Joshua chapter number 5, verse 10, that on that day, on the day that they set foot in the land that flows with milk and honey, on that day the manna ceased and they ate of the produce of the land. And so God transitioned them from devotional money to what I like to call transactional money. And so a lot of Christians, uh, traditionally we've been taught that when you give a hundred rand, uh, it's going to come back to you, good measure, press down, shaking together, running over. And uh, true, it will come back to you, but they didn't read the rest of the verse. It says that it will come back to you uh, through man. It says, shall man give into your bosom? So how do men give into our bosom? Men give into our bosom two ways. The first one is devotionally. They just kind of give you, you know, we, kill it, we call it uh, a benevolent giving, free will offering. That's, that's, that's great. You know, sometimes you may need that, but that shouldn't be your strategy to build wealth. The, your strategy to build wealth is to create opportunities for what I like to call transactional money. This is why scripture says that uh, they ate of the fruit of the land. So God took them from manna to, to actually transacting. And if you look uh, a, thousand down, a, th- a thousand years down the, the stretch, right, when Solomon came, the children of Israel had built such a robust economy, fortified uh, to a point that Solomon never had a single war because at that point he now controlled the entire trade of horses and ammunition and th- things of that nature. Why? Because he understood the difference be- be- between devotional money and uh, transactional money. Devotional money, again, is what we give to the Lord. It is, you know, benevolent. If someone gives you uh, an offering or they give you, you know, a hundred rand, praise the Lord. But ultimately, what we should be uh, uh, focusing on, when we give, really, God will give it back to us. Good measure, press down, check it together, running over. But it comes in divine connections. It comes in His favor. That helps us uh, to to have more opportunities for transactional money to come into our lives. And so I want to encourage, you know, uh, uh, young people on this call to start thinking, you know, transactionally. How can I uh, build with this mindset of, hey, I have to move from devotional into transactional 
in 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 uh, in the early 1900s, you know, there was a gentleman, uh, George Clason. He wrote this book called "The Richest Man in Babylon," and there's a principle he shares in there that's really powerful. And uh, this principle uh, says this: it says when you are when you receive your income, right? When your income comes uh, into into your account, he says you shouldn't live off of 100% of your income. This is uh, the, the the basic cardinal rule for 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 building wealth is that you don't spend everything that come in; you live below your means, and so. He threw numbers at it. He said, uh, the first thing you do is to give away 10%. This is what George uh, Clason say. And so some people fight you when you bring that up. You say, man, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. You know, I'm under grace. It's a different covenant and so on and so forth. And they, sometimes they're right. But the truth of the matter is even if you talk to a secular uh, uh, um, author or a secular, you know, think tank or people, you know, in the secular world, uh, that do any kind of leadership business training, they encourage you to give uh, something away, you know, from, from whatever you receive. And the principle is simply this. It is, it is when, you, when you become a hoarder, when you have a closed uh, fist, you can't really receive uh, more. The principle is if you go to Israel, uh, there is what they call the Dead Sea. There, Some of you may have gone to Israel and have seen this. They have what they call the Dead Sea. What makes the Dead Sea the Dead Sea? Is simply this, you know, as the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea has no outlet. That water that comes in from the Jordan River is is just it is stagnant. It just it, it doesn't go anywhere. And because of that, uh, that water is is dense and it's 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 the it's salty. It's very salty that water uh, uh, to the point that you can't sink anything to the bottom of it. Uh, and it's really, really, really itchy on your skin if you stay in it too long, and it's really uncomfortable. And uh, every nothing can grow in it; nothing can live in 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 that uh, a dead sea water. And what makes it that is because it's just stagnant water. But when you understand that the principle of life, the principle of receiving, so that we can give, we can uh, be a blessing. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm just killing a sacred cow as we go to really what I want to talk about is that we can't really prosper with the mindset of, of, um, of, of hoarding. We can't really prosper. In fact, hoarding brings a scarcity mindset. The reason why people can't give is because they believe stuff is running out. And when you believe stuff is running out, man, you're going to hoard. And when you hoard, you're telling yourself, hey, I don't have enough. There's about to be a shortage. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. I'm not preaching about offering. I'm not trying to take an offering, but I'm just trying to help you have a, a different mindset around these things. A generosity mindset cultivates opportunities. When you have a generosity mindset in your heart, not just in, in the church, everywhere you go, you know, when you go out to eat with your friends, you got to have a gen- generous, it's, it's a mindset, it's a way of thinking that, that elevates us to operate at a different uh, level altogether. And so, you know, uh, this is what he said, uh, George Clason, right? He said, you give away 10 and say, and you say the other 10, you, you really invest and you can split it up this way. The first 5%, you invest yourself and the other 5%, you find professionals. I'm not a, a professional uh, by no means. I'm not a, a financial advisor certified. No. So you can't take this as financial advice, right? This is preaching from God's word. Uh, but, but this is what he says in the richest man in Babylon is that when you take away 10%, you give it away. The other 10%, you invest. Uh, and you invest long term. And, and part of investing as well is getting rid of debt. 
you know, uh, uh, getting rid of this, you know, you can use the snowball effect, Dave Ramsey, right? Start with the small debt, building up to the big ones. And really, we've seen people in our community, in our church, pay off mortgage debt in five to seven years. We've seen people buy properties and things of that nature, just applying uh, these principles. Ultimately, you can actually live off of uh, 70% and give away 10 and invest 10% and invest another 10%. Now, what you invest in, is is completely up to you know you asking the holy spirit to show you uh what you're gonna in in invest in and so this is very important for us to understand and as we go out and 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 partake in the marketplace to realize that there is a blessing of god there is a grace for us to be in the marketplace god wants us to be in there so that we can transact and we can uh, uh change people's lives we can grow our businesses we can employ people uh that's one of the questions i like to ask people you know when they come to me bragging about how much money they have how many people do you employ you know how many families are you impacting with your with your prosperity you know i'm not interested about the car that you drive and all these other you know flashy things i want to know how many people you're impacting because ultimately that's what prosperity uh is for and so the second thing god tells you know us in in genesis was was that we must uh reproduce and god really has given us the ability to take little things and make them big. And in our last class, we talked about Matthew 25, how the the master gave talents. You know, the one with five multiplied it to five. The one with two multiplied it to another two, which was four. Uh, The one with one, you know, went and buried it and the master wasn't too pleased with him. Uh, But the instruction is what I want to revisit there. The instruction that the master gave them was, occupy until I come occupy until i come and so i want to suggest to you this morning uh that god has creativity for his children i want to suggest to you it's a strong suggestion but we're going to show you through scripture that is valid uh that god has innovation for his children you will find it in the bible i'm going to show it to you uh in the bible that god has uh technology uh that is waiting for his children the church to tap into because god hasn't called us to a ministry of copy and paste god hasn't called us to just see what somebody else is doing over there and then do the same god wants us to cut a new path amen god wants us to cut a new path and so even the way we do ministry the way you know i do ministry man i don't copy and paste i don't check to see what the person next door is doing i i i I tap into this innovation creativity that we're talking about and we're going to show you through scripture and man i'm telling you when you start tapping into it it changes everything why because i tell people we are no longer in the information uh, age. Uh, uh, in fact, before, just before the information age, we were in an age where, you know, if you had the information, oh man, you were the king of the of the of the totem pole, right? You were right at the top of the totem pole if you knew uh, uh, who the president of Ghana is off off of your head. I mean, the whole school knew. Man, this one is the one that needs to go to. For, for quiz, you know, I come from Zimbabwe, and so we used to have a national quiz. And I mean, if you were, a, 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 if your mind was a, a storage facility like that, that's what I call it, right? If your mind could store stuff like that, man, they thought you were brilliant. But these days it's changed because I don't need to know who the president of such and such is. I can Google it, right? And so we are in a different space, and we are in a space that I call the age of insight. We are in a place of insight. Those who can see beyond what everybody else can see 
see in the natural, they're going to have an advantage. Now, this positions the church and Christians at an advantage. Why? Because we have eyes that can see, you know, beyond just this natural cosmic world. And I'm going to show you through scripture how you can tap into it and start functioning at a higher place in your creativity, in your innovation and, and things of that nature so that you can be an impact uh, to, to the entire world. I was traveling in June uh, in the U.S., and I traveled to a few ministries, you know, ministering. We went to Caris Bible College with uh, Andrew Ormack and spent some time there with them. And, and uh, uh, we went to Terrades Ministries with our good friends, Ashley and Carrie Terrades, and I was teaching there. And what was striking for me is that uh, every time I'd teach and, and people would come to me and they would say this, they would say, you know, this is the first time I've ever heard this. And, and I, I thought about it. I said, this, this ought to be us in the marketplace when we bring our products. This, this, people should be able to say, man, this is the first time I've seen this product. And it's, it's making our lives different. It's changing the way we do things and so on and so forth. When we, whatever we do, whatever God has called us to do, he wants us to cut a new path. He doesn't want us to function at the level of just copy and paste. Amen. And so we're going to go quickly. I'm going to show you two scriptures and then we'll wrap it up. I'm going to show you two scriptures that talk about innovation. In the Bible, there's technology and innovation. So quickly, I want to read John 16, verse 13. <clears throat> John chapter number 16, uh, verse 13, and this is what he says. He says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. For ye shall not speak of himself, but of whatsoever ye shall hear. That shall ye speak. Now watch this. He says, and he will show you things to come. Now you say that to an average Christian. You say that to an average Christian. You know, you say uh, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Uh, you know, they say, yeah, Brother Tafara, I totally agree. The Holy Spirit will show me things to come uh, with regards to, you know, uh, uh, religious, spiritual things. He will show me things to come with regards to uh, who the Antichrist is, who the 666 is. Yeah, you will show me things to come with regards to the end times. But I want to I submit to you, brothers, that uh, the Holy Spirit can show you things to come with regards to your business. The Holy Spirit can show you things to come with regards to your the, the trends that are your business is, uh, uh, should be uh, going into. The Holy Spirit can show you things to come with regards to your, your everyday work. The Holy Spirit can show you things to come with regards to your calling and your assignment, the things that God has called you to do. He is not just limited to just spiritual, religious things. And I know the church really uh, have put the Holy Spirit in a box. Uh, we like to call on him when we are within the falls of the church. Uh, we like to uh, uh, call on him just to give us a touch, right? Just give me a touch, a goosebump. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is way more strategic than just a goosebump and a touch. I mean, if that's all you want, he's going to give it to you. But I'm telling you, man, you can go with the Holy Spirit into the boardroom. You can go with the Holy Spirit to work and ask him to show you some really cool things. And those things are the things that, that are going to help you uh, to, to take that business to the next level. They're going to help you to get a promotion. Those things are going to help you to advance in the things that God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit has, has insight. He has information. 
He will show you uh, the invisible things and, and, and make them a reality to you so that we as believers, as a community of, of, of Christians, can have an advantage. And this is the mindset we should approach our work. You know, this is, you know, I believe this is the reason why Jews have an advantage over, you know, all the other nations in the world is that when they approach work, they don't look at work as a secular thing. They look at work as a sanctified, sacred thing, just like going to attend a service at the synagogue. You know, in fact, the word they use there is called uh, avoda in Hebrew. It's the word avoda, and what it means, they use it all the time. It's one of their five uh, principles of life, and, and what they say is, my work is my worship. So they don't look at work as some, you know, ugly, dirty, stinking thing that's disconnected from what I do on a Sunday morning. No, they look at work as a spillover from Sunday morning. So after we, we leave, our, you know, church, the church building on a Sunday morning, man, we take the Holy Spirit everywhere that we go. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We ask the Holy Spirit to bring divine connections, you know, people uh, that can uh, 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 partner with us to go to the next level. We ask the Holy Spirit to bring favor. Uh, with God and with man. We ask the Holy Spirit to, to do all these different things for us, to give us insight and direction and things of that nature so that we can advance our businesses, our assignments, the things that you know God has really uh, called us to do. So I want to encourage you uh, this morning to start taking advantage of the Holy Spirit. Don't just you know, uh, think about goosebumps when you think about the Holy Spirit. Start taking advantage of, of the Holy Spirit on Monday. On Tuesday, listen. I, I did a, I did a, 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 a research at our church. You know, I just went around asking people, uh, uh, you know, what what they thought that uh, the, the Holy Spirit could do for them, just in general. And uh, I mean, it, almost everything that was on their list were had to do with. You know, number one, problems. He, he will come and fix problems, you know. Uh, but none of them really looked at the Holy Spirit as someone who could help them on their job. That was, that was scarcely mentioned. No, nobody ever mentioned that the Holy Spirit can. Because genuinely, people don't think God can work a computer, right? They think, man, he's the ancient of days. People don't think God can work a spreadsheet. People think, bad God, this is out of your league, God. But I want to tell you, man... When you realize that God knew about all these things right before he created the, the heavens and the earth, right before Genesis chapter number one, God already knew about the internet. God already knew about flying right before Genesis chapter number one. It's us who were slow. We only caught up in 1907 and, you know, started uh, uh, steering towards aviation and flying. God knew about it. Uh, since the beginning of time, it is mankind who've tapped into it, uh, uh, you know, 2,000 years, 4,000 years later. And so I want to tell you, man, when we start really taking time out to sit, meditate, and, and open our minds up to receive from the Holy Spirit instruction about our Monday through Friday, not just about our Sunday, but about our Monday through Friday, there are people that God has called to be uh, apostles in the marketplace they they see things beyond you know what anybody else sees they see a structure beyond what anybody else is seeing there are people who god has called to be a marketplace uh, a prophet man they see in they see 10 20 30 years ahead of time i mean and, and we see some of them you know and i really believe all of this be belong to 
to God's children. The, the world is really doing it at a much uh, higher level, but I believe God's children are the ones that are the real custodians of all these things. And so we have an advantage. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit and these things are for us. I'm going to read another scripture that talks about you know, innovation and creativity as well. In the Bible, there is a promise for innovation and creativity in the Bible, and it's Isaiah 45. And this is what it says. This is God speaking to Cyrus, right? A secular king. And this is what God said to Cyrus. Thus says the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue the nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two levered gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Verse 2, I will go before you, Cyrus, and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates uh, of brass and cut uh, in sunder the bars of iron. Now, there are so many different interpretations of, or, you know, uh, Isaiah 45. You know, I was preaching at a conference uh, the one time, and, and, you know, this is a funny story. And uh, one of uh, the speakers there, Lance Wallnow, was preaching, and he thought that, you know, this was talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> But, you know, I'm, I'm from Africa, right? And I, I don't get into that kind of politics. But, man, he was convicted. But I believe, you know, we can learn some stuff from this. And, and it is this, that, you know, this is God giving a promise to a secular king to, at the time, conquer and defeat uh, Babylon, right? So God is saying to Cyrus, uh, I'm going to help you conquer and defeat Babylon. Now, Cyrus is standing on the periphery of Babylon and is looking from the outside and is intimidated by what he sees. I mean, Babylon was the greatest technology of the time. And so Cyrus is looking from the outside and he's intimidated. He's thinking, man, there's no way I can better this. There's no way I can better what's happening in Babylon. I mean, they are the ones who came up with uh, 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 trade as we know it, you know, uh, uh, with the uh, uh, market forces determining, you know, the, 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 the prices, you know, supply and demand and things of that nature. They're the ones who came up with irrigation. So Babylon was thriving at the time. And so Cyrus is standing on the outside and is intimidated. And God says to him, hey, you don't be intimidated by this. This is just a crooked path. I will make the crooked path straight. In other words, what the Lord was saying to him was this. I'm giving you uh, a promise for innovation. And the reason I say that is because the shortest distance between any two points, uh, you know, they used to say the shortest distance between any two points is a straight line, right? But I changed it. The shortest distance between any two points is innovation. You can say, you can go and tweet that and say, Tafara Butai say that. The shortest distance between any two points is innovation. Think about it. Uh, before flying, the shortest distance between Cape Town and Jobek was uh, three weeks later on an animal drone cart. And, uh, you know, when people discovered a four-stroke engine, better known as a car, the shortest distance between Cape Town and Jobek became 20 hours, depending on the speed that you're driving, right? Uh, that was the shortest distance. And then when they discovered flying, the shortest distance now between Cape Town and Jobek is, is two hours. And so the shortest distance between any two points in life is innovation. The shortest distance between a cold meal and a hot meal uh, back in, in the 1900s used to be 
you light a fire, you, you wait for it to, to catch on, and then you put your, your thing on there, and then you can heat up the, the food. The shortest distance has now become two minutes in a microwave. And so the shortest distance between any two points or to solve any problem is innovation. And so God is giving the promise of innovation to Cyrus when he says, I will make the crooked path straight. Things that should take two hours, I'm giving you a promise that it's going to take shorter. And so I want to submit to some of you who've been running your businesses well and you're doing exciting things and, and so on and so forth. I'm telling you, when God looks at that from heaven, we on down here on the earth, we may all be impressed. But when God looks at it from heaven, he's thinking this is a crooked path. I wish you could trust me for a straight path. And, and when you start trusting God for a straight path, man, he will give you innovation and you'll be able to uh, take things to the next level. I'm going to share one story with you that highlights what I'm talking about. You know, and it's in Genesis 29 um, from verse 1 to 15. This is after Jacob, you know, took the blessing, you know, from Esau and he took off. He knew that the blessing uh, God has blessed the work of his hands. So when he took the blessing, he went into the marketplace to actually do the work, transaction, remember? Tran- devotional money, transactional money. He went into the marketplace to create transactional money, not devotional money. Money doesn't rain from heaven. You know, div- uh, transactional money. So when he took the blessing, he positioned himself for transactional money. And what happened? Uh, he went out uh, again. I'm reading in the Message Bible, Genesis 29. Uh, from verse 1, it says, Jacob set out again on his way to the people of the east. He noticed the well out in the open field with three flocks of sheep bedded down around it. This was the common well from which the flocks were watered. The stone on the mouth of the well was huge, and uh, all of the flocks were gathered, and the shepherds would roll the stone from the well and water the sheep. They would return the stone covering the well. The reason they did that is because they didn't want you know, their enemies to poison the well and then kill all of their animals. And so Jacob saw these guys and said, Hello, friends, where are you from? They said, We're from Haran. He says, Do you know Laban? They said, We do. Are things well with him? Jacob continued, Very well with him. And he said, They said, Here's his daughter um, uh, with the flock. So Jacob said this. Now Jacob is positioning himself for innovation. He's trying to get more into the day. He's trying to get more productivity. This is powerful. Listen to what he says. He says, There's still a lot of daylight. Uh, left. Isn't it time to round up the sheep yet? Is it? So why not water the flocks and go back to grazing? So Jacob missed these guys at 12 noon, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. These guys had already finished grazing, but they were waiting for everyone else to get there at 4 p.m. so that they could open the well so that the animals could drink. And Jacob is saying, come on guys, we can double our productivity. Let's open the well now, get the animals to drink, go back to grazing. We can do double in the same time. But listen to what they said. They said, we can't. This is the mindset we need to get rid of uh, as we go into the marketplace, right? We can't. I call them we can'ters. When you say, let's do this, we can't. Let, let's do this, we can't. You have a grace of innovation. No, I don't. We can't. We can't. I call them the we can'ters, right? And, and, and I tell people, don't join their group. <laughs> don't be a part of the we can't uh, uh, ministries international. Be a part of the I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, because you really can. They said we can't. Not until all the shepherds get here. It takes all of us to roll the stone from the well. Not until then can we water the flocks. While Jacob was in conversation with them, Rachel came up with the father's sheep. She was the shepherd. 
uh, and the moment Jacob uh, spotted Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, saw her arriving with Laban, he went and single-handedly, the, the weekenders were saying, no, we can't, we all have to do it. He went and single-handedly, right, rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the sheep of his uncle Laban. Then he kissed Rachel and broke into tears and told Rachel that they were related. Now, if you read the rest of the story, you'll know that uh, Jacob, when he finally met at he did all of this as a volunteer. He didn't have to wait until he got paid for it. Some of the things you, man, you just have to do more than what you're paid for. If you're going to get a promotion, if you're going to get an increase, I want to talk to the young people. If you're going to get promotion, you, you don't get promotion because of the time you've served. You get promotion because you increase your capacity to do more than what you're, what you're paid for. If you start doing functioning at a higher level, doing more than you're paid for, man, you're going to get promoted and, and, and promotion will come and find you. And so we know Laban started doing this before he had a contract. And after, you know, his father-in-law gave him a contract, served him for 14 years, learning about business, learning about how to run a business and things of that nature. And at the end of 14 years, he was released to start his own and he increased and so on and so forth. And he became a giant uh, in the marketplace. And so this was my time, and uh, it's 22 now, and so I'm going to stop right here. Man, I could go on for days, but I'm going to stop right here so that I can turn it over back to uh, Brother Tariro, and uh, he will wrap it up for us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. God bless you all.